So I was sitting in this bar one day in Mexico, and uh, this guy walks in next to me, and he go sits down, you know, and he says, uh, "Do you know, you know who that guy is right there in that picture on the wall?" I was like, "Yeah, I know that guy." And he goes, "How do you know this guy?" I'm like, "Well, that's that's Pancho Villa." <laughs> He's like, "Well, it's not Villa, but okay." <laughs> I'm like, it's it's Pancho Villa. Where I'm from, it's it's Villa or Villa. Whatever, <laughs> Whatever. it's Pancho Villa. I don't care. I'm not gonna get into the semantics of his name. And uh, I'm like, it's Pancho Villa. He goes, well, how do you know Pancho Villa? I was like, well, Pancho Villa and I go way back. How do you go way back? You, nobody around here knows Pancho Villa. This is a he's an old guy. He ain't around much, right? And uh, I'm like, listen. I know Pancho Villa. It's like, well, tell me a story of you and Pancho Villa. It's like, okay. So one day, I was out in the plains, and uh, it was getting about dark time. So uh, made me a campfire, sitting there, got me a rabbit, stuck it on a stick, you know, sitting there cooking it. And I hear some rustling in the bushes. And I'm like, man, what is that? Like, that sounds kind of big. And out jumps Pancho Villa. Okay. Right? And he sticks a gun in my face. And I'm kind of like, oh, shit, you know? He goes, pull down your pants. No. I'm like, no. <laughs> I said, no, no, no. He said, Yes, yes, yes. What can I do? Right? He's got a gun in your face. What can you do? What can I do? I pulled down my pants. He says then, I am Pancho Villa. You take a shit. I'm like, no, no, no. And he goes, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> what can I do? I took a shit. Okay. <laughs> well, you got a gun to your face, right? I have a gun in my face. <clears throat> I'm going to do what Pancho Villa says, right? He then says, I am Pancho Villa. You eat your shit. Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember eating corn. <clears throat> so... I'm like, no, no, no. He says, yes, yes, yes. What could I do? I eat my shit. Gross. <laughs> it's so gross. <laughs> when I look up, Pancho Vila's gone. Like, this is some sick trick he likes to play on people just camping out in the middle of nowhere. Is he just jumps out of some bushes and makes them eat their shit. Right? I was a little traumatized, so a couple weeks, a couple weeks, a few weeks goes by, and, uh... Numerous rounds of therapy. Yeah, and, uh, anyways, kind of the same situation. I'm out on, out on the prairie, and on the horizon, I see some movement, and I'm like, who's out here, right? So I sneak up on this movement I've seen up on the horizon. I take my time. I sneak up real good. I hide behind a bush, 
guess what? Pancho Villa is sitting there at a fire, cooking some beans, just chilling, right? So I'm like, payback. <laughs> it's go time. <clears throat> I jump out of the bushes, stick my gun in his <laughs> face, and I say, hey! You pull down your pants. He says, no, no, no. I say, yes, yes, yes. What could he do? Get a gun in his face. He pulled down his pants. I said, Pancho Villa? You take a shit. He says, no, no, no. I say, yes, yes, yes. What could he do? He took a shit. And I say, Pancho Vila, you eat your shit. He says, no, no, no. I say, oh, yes, yes, yes. What could he do? He ate his shit. And you question me that I don't know Pancho Vila? We eat dinner together. <laughs> That's gross, dude. <laughs> oh no This is Mike from Mile High Shooting And Adam Rehor From Mile High Shooting And you are listening to the Everyday Sniper Today we're It's about 7.30 in the morning And it's Rainy It's 51 degrees We're headed north on a back road If you're following us on the map We've already passed the Animal Sanctuary And uh I don't even know what road this is. What did we cross? This, Pat, this, like, this is the Kersey Road. This is the Kersey Road. We're on the Kersey Road headed north. This is like bigger than any interstate in Colorado because all the oil field traffic, they're like... Is that why they built this road? Yeah, we need a bigger, we need a bigger, better road. So the oil companies kicked in and made this like six lane... Yeah, because uh, when we first started concrete, taking this road, yeah. there was it was just dirt. No, it was it was paved. I, that was the other way. I took it. <laughs> so, anyways, we're headed out to the Pawnee match, and uh, we're in inclement weather. And we thought that we would uh, do this podcast today and kind of give you guys a heads up on what equipment that we're bringing out, what our mindset is going into the match, and then once we get there, we'll shoot the match. You know, focus on what we came to focus on and get some good training in inclement weather. And then on our way back, we'll give you a, kind of like a match debrief on where we were before we got there and then where we are after after the shoot and what we're thinking. And every time, and I'm going to try to limit this as much as possible as far as like, well, if I would have hit this, then I would have got these amount of points and I would have done this and I would have done that. Yeah, well, if you would hit every single target, you would just win the match. Yeah, pretty much. Right. So the point is going back and doing a debrief and thinking about this stuff so that the next time you go out, you're mentally prepared and want to do well. Right. So the equipment that we're bringing out today, we have our AX, our AI AX rifles, both suppressed. You're running a 7-inch and I'm running a 9-inch. Yep, mine's a, the 7-inch 6.5. And I have a 9-inch 6.5. And let's talk, everybody knows what I'm shooting all the time. What are yeah. you shooting today? So I'm running the 
AIAX. It's the 308 platform, but it's my barrel's chambered in 6mm BRA. Um, so you got one of the first AXs when it had the large firing pin. I did, yeah. When when we got the first ones, I, I traded in the the pre-2014 AX that I had. Which Aaron I, is shooting now. Aaron Pickering shooting that gun now. Yeah, he got it from us. Um, and he's shooting a similar caliber. We'll talk about that later. Yeah. But you started out with a large firing pin, and there's a lot of controversy about the large firing pin. And, like, there are some stuff. That, there is a lot of stuff that makes sense about it, but then there's stuff that's, like, hearsay. Yeah. It, um, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of high-performance cartridges out there that the large firing pin and the AX don't really jive because everybody's pushing them so hard. I ran a, a 243 for a year. I only pierced one primer. That was my own fault with the large firing pin gun. So it depends upon what... Do you remember what your, like how hot you're going? Uh, so it was... Because I know you like to go fast. I, I do, um, but I also don't like to have problems with, with my equipment. So um, I believe I was running 41 grains of H4350 with the 105 Burger... And that put me like right at uh, like 3,030 feet per second with the 243. With a large firing pin. With a large firing pin, yeah. I'm, I was right on that edge. I mean, if I would have gone up just probably another three or four tenths, I would have had Pierce primers all of the time. Do you think um, primers matter when it comes to that? I do, yeah. I mean, the different different primers have different cup thicknesses. Um, the CCI Magnums, they're, they're probably one of the harder ones out there. Um, but you know, I, if you're right on that edge, you know, I would rather just back my powder charge down a little bit. I was using federal primers at the time. So those are, those are known to be pretty soft anyways. So yeah, I've, uh, I've never really known you to have a Pierce primer. Yeah. Only, well, I, I try to weed that out during low development and, and things like that. But so one of the first things I do just, just a quick kind of reloading tip is I try to find max load on my barrel one of the first things I'll do um, and if when you when you say max load what does that mean so max load like where you start to have ejector marks or ejector extractor marks in your brass it's it's leaving indentations where the brass is trying to flow rearward into the bolt face you have a hard bolt lift um, we don't want the, any of those things um, you have flat primers cratered primers things like that so you, we don't want any of those when we're reloading or especially when you're running a match when your bolts running real hard it's hard to run it quickly um, and name of our game is is wind anyways so trying to maintain that that speed is very typically important. it's wind today it's going to be weather that's correct yeah today, today it's going to be weather dependent so we have yeah. like uh, it's not downpouring and I don't think it will downpour it's just a light sprinkle yeah I think it'll be magnified out to distance mm -hmm. I mean we when when you and I shot the sniper side cup a few years back it was raining for three days yeah yeah and every day that we trained up to that point we were shooting out of the back of trucks yeah because it was because yeah. it was raining so I thought there was there was a lot of good value to that and uh, when we actually got to the match you did really well I think I made it halfway up the pack but it's not just wind that's going to weed people out. It's their mindset when they walk into the weather where it's, first of all, I don't want to shoot in this. Right. And then it's going to be, oh, well, 
this is happening. This is happening. I got water on my lens. I got, you know, my, uh, my glass is fogging up. It, all these things start to add up and you start to get frustrated. We're walking into it with a different attitude like, hey, I want to take something away from this. I think is a better way to look at it. But anyways, back to um, so pressure signs and everything like that. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I try to weed most of that out through low development and, and not even worry about it. But I did switch to um, a small firing pin for the BRA just because we're running small rifle primers. So this one you didn't bush, though? No, I just bought the factory AI replacement uh, firing pin and bolt body. So the updated version the of it. Updated basically. version. So all of the AIs since like I don't know. I, I, I always look at it as serial numbers, but serial numbers like twenty two. So the the last five of the uh, the serial number, if it starts with a twenty two or twenty three, you're right in that kind of changeover period where everything mm-hmm. started to they started to send them out with small firing pins because they recognized what was going on and some people were complaining about it and made it and made a fairly large stink and they were like you know what well let's just do everything small firing pit right and now that and is that's all, in the that, short action. that's only on the short action correct yeah they're the all the mcs the real ax338 mc those have large firing pins still have large firing pins and will continue to have large firing pins yeah so. well they need them yeah it, it's for it's a military grade sniper rifle yeah, I mean, they're hitting those those magnums and stuff. You know, they got in military ammo. They got hard primers. They got all sorts of stuff going. So, um, so you swapped over to the small firing pin, and then just kind of progressing through that, you went from two forty three. Then we ran sixes together, yep, six mils, six creeds, and then we've uh, we've run three oh eights. And I want to talk. I want to come back to the three oh eight discussion because you brought something up the other day. I was thinking it. You said it. Yep. And now I I want to go back to it. But okay. anyways, uh, with 308s. And then where did you go from the 6 mil? You went, you, I think Dan's shooting your 6 mil right now. Your 6 mil my, barrel. Yeah, yeah Dan. Dan uh, from HRD. Is from shooting. HRD picked up my 6 Creed barrel from me. Um, and that was the twin to my barrel. It was, yeah. And, and my, it, <laughs> it shoots just about as good as yours, though. <laughs> with factory. With factory ammo, yeah. Right. Um, if you guys seen it on Facebook, Dan posted up a picture where he had he taken his trigger shoe off of his AX and went to the range and he shot really good, but he did it with basically with no trigger shoe. He was like right. basically like squeeze cocking or squeeze firing the gun. It was kind of funny, but um, but it shot like it half. shot it shot under half. Yeah, it shot real good. It was about three. It's about three eighths. It was seven. Yeah, it was a seven shot group though. Yeah, it was just seven shots. It was good. So, anyways, I went to six BR eight. One because everybody's doing the six BR variant now, and, and well, you I, started I, with six BR. I did start with six BR, and, and I you were like, like, "That's not good enough for me." Well, well I need to spend I, more time on this. I need to spend a lot more time on something because evidently I felt like I had some spare time in my life with two children, um, and I needed every second of it used. But <laughs> the BR is really good, and as Mike said, I'm a velocity guy, so the consistency was awesome, but I wasn't getting a velocity that I thought was good enough for me. So I started looking at BR variants. There was a little secret that you had, though. What's that? So, so you, what were you loading? Because you're going to tell your load, and then you're going to tell your velocity, and everybody's going to go, no, that's not true. 
So what did you do to your 6BR barrel? What are you talking about? <laughs> so what, what was your load for your 6BR? Uh, load for the 6BR was 31 grains of Fargate with a 105 burger hybrid. And what was your velocity? My velocity was 29.30. What should it have been? It, it, well, it was kind of like 2,900-ish, I guess. 2,900. 2,900? Yeah. What should it have been? Because it shouldn't uh, have been 2930. With a with a, with a, with a, with a 105, you probably should have been in like the 2850, 2825 range, somewhere in there. I think that's where most guys hang. So what do you think you did differently on that? <laughs> Come on, man, tell your secret. Uh, I don't. That's for another day. <laughs> I'll save that for another podcast. And All right. We'll, we'll we'll talk about that. We'll talk about barrel and barrels and, and stuff. You know. Materials I just, used. I just got lucky. Got lucky. So you went from the BR, and you've you've shot BR before, but at an actual bench rest, correct? Uh, or, it was six, is, that was six PPC. Okay, so yeah. You, so that was it, a PPC that you shot. Yeah, that was tight neck turn fire form, all sorts of all sorts of work. Uh, it was awesome. I mean, it shoots great, but um, not for what we're doing here. So I went with the BRA just for the fact that I could actually improve that case. There's very little work to be done to a, a BR case to actually improve it um, compared to the other cartridges. The other ones that are close to it are the BRX, which I'm sure a lot of guys are familiar with. It's a hundred thousandths longer BR, keeps the same shoulder angle, which is a 30 degree angle, not a 40. And I like think the, Aaron's running a BRX. Aaron is running in the old AX. Six BRX, okay. yeah. Um, and then the other one is the Dasher, 6mm Dasher, which is, um, it is 80 thousandths longer than a BRA. So, with all of those things, you have to, you have to blow that case forward and, and use the brass there. Well, with a lot of those cases, when you're, you're fire forming it forward so far, 80 to 100 thousandths, um, the Dasher is 80 thousandths longer than the the BRA, but it has a well, and it has a 40 degree shoulder. So if you compare it to like a BRX, it, it's very similar, just different shoulder angles, things like that. I didn't want to do all that work. The web is extremely thin on a BR case, anyways, in the brass. So I don't like stretching it any more than I have to. So what's the web? <clears throat> it, Right where the the head of the case and the the body kind of meet, right there in front of the primer pocket, um, it, it gets real thin when you start to stretch it out, and that's where everybody has your case head separation. Right. Um, when you stretch that really thin and start fire forming that brass forward, especially if you're not doing it uh, the proper way, if you're just throwing regular six br in there and pulling the trigger and letting it fire form out, you're going to have problems. Uh, anyways, so. BRA, you just load standard 6BR uh, with your standard 6BR load. Close the bolt, pull the trigger, fire forms it out. All you're doing is changing the shoulder angle from a 30 degree angle to a 40 degree angle. Just like all standard Ackley improves. Uh, it's actually very simple and easy to use. Um, it does add an extra step. How many different Ackley improves are there out there? Like, well, somebody's got to be designing something. Any any bottleneck cartridge, basically. Uh, I'm sure there's some exceptions, but most bottleneck cartridges you can actually improve. 
So you have a 6.5 Creedmoor. Well, it's a 35 degree shoulder. Okay, well, I could actually improve it and, and change that angle from 35 to 40. Really no point in it, but you right, could it's do doing it. Well. You, 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 could, you could do it if you wanted, say. Okay. So, so when you were um, actually improving yours, mm -hmm. what was the process that you took? Because I remember you were looking at, you, you sat in front of the computer and looked at like five different blueprints. Yeah, so we looked. I looked at a lot of different reamer prints. Uh, got got people to send me some reamer prints. There's there's multiple BRA reamer. So prints. there's not just one. There's not one. Everybody has their own spin. You know, well, I use this this neck shoulder junction to change my headspace, so I can use this gauge. Or I have a tight neck, or I have a you know this neck, or that neck, or this you know length neck, or you know there's a lot of different drawings out there. Um, I, I kind of looked at it from a, a, a practical standpoint as I want this thing to work in the dirt and I want to get the performance of a BR with a little extra added velocity. Right, a little more efficient. Little, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, it just gives me a little more case capacity, put a little more powder in there, uh, try to bump me up where I want it to be. Now, heating up your <clears throat> barrel on that. We'll come back to that, but I just want to side note. Heating up your barrel on that, how long do you think that that barrel's going to last? I, I really think that you'll get uh, pretty close to at least, at a minimum, 2,500 rounds through it. Where with like 6 Creedmoor 243, I was looking at 18 to 2,000. So I get a little, you know, a little extra. I'll get at least 2,500, if not 3,000 rounds out of it. How many times do you think you can use the brass over with that, um, I'm I'm on third reloading right now. My primer, primer pockets are still nice and tight. <clears throat> uh, I bet if you take good care of the brass, I'm not running it super hot, uh, where I'm like getting ejector marks and everything all the time. So I bet I can reload that eight times. That yeah, brass. That's yeah. good. That's yeah. a lot. It's Lapua. I mean, it it, yeah. it reloads pretty good. And so. that's after your fire form. That's including fire form. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, because you're you're stretching that brass. That still counts as a firing and a, and a, everything. So, so back to the blueprint. So you decided to make your own because you were looking at all these and you're like, eh, that this would look good on this and this would look good on this. Yeah. Also, another thing to keep in mind is everybody has their own throat dimension, which is crazy. I mean, everybody has. A, well, I got a 92. I got a hundred. I got a 110. I got a 112. I got a 130. I got a 150. Freebore. Well, there's so many different ones. What I done is I took the same exact throat that was on my BR reamer because it worked really well. The bullet, the the uh, the body boat tail junction of the bullet was in the the neck shoulder junction, slightly ahead of the neck shoulder junction in the brass. So I get all of that BR neck holding on to the the bullet. So I get good seating tension. Uh, and I have a lot of bullet in the neck for it to hold on to. That's the other thing with a dasher, you have an extremely short neck. Um, and you gotta have a really long freeboard to try to... So what's, what's freeboard and why is it important? Uh, freeboard is the distance basically between the end of the, the, say the piece of brass to where the bullet meets the rifling. So the reason that I, I talk about that quite a bit is because if if that bullet is getting jammed into the lands every time, you're going to build a lot of pressure. 
so you're going to seat the bullet further into the case. If that bullet gets seated further into the case, then what you can get is a, it's called the dreaded donut. You get a donut that forms between the shoulder and where the neck actually gets sized by a bushing. And it forms a little ring or a donut right there on the neck and it, <clears throat> it can cause false headspace because you can't size it. The only way to get rid of that is to actually turn it like on a lather with a, a neck turning tool and turn that out. Um, it's just unneeded issues, right? Uh, so proper reloading is, is essential and reamer setup is essential for that. So you want to make sure that the bullet is not down inside of the case too far. Okay, you want you want that boat tail body junction right in the neck shoulder junction or slightly ahead of it. That way we don't have any issues. Okay, so I set my reamer up the same as my 6BR. It was set up for 105s, so I could do exactly that and not have any issues. Okay. So the reamer that you got, can you use it for other bullet weights too? You can, it just depends on where the ogive of that bullet meets the rifling. Gotcha. So I chose the 105 Burger Hybrid. Obviously it is one of the most popular six millimeter bullets on the market. Um, so I based the whole reamer around that. Guys aren't gonna generally wanna run a 115 DTAC out of a 6BR or a BRA or um, maybe the Dasher, they feel like they can get a little more velocity out of it. but. Um, you're, it's just too big of a bullet, right? It's your velocity isn't going to be up there. It's going to be very slow. So we're in like, like a 105 drought right now. 105 drought. Yeah, that's when that's when it comes back. When I said, remember, buy enough bullets to burn that barrel out, and you bought a thousand, and you came back, and all the bullets were gone. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> anyways, so. Um, I have plenty of 105 sitting on the, on my reloading bench. Oh, I know. So, uh, um, anyways, it is essential for what bullet you're going to run. You, and if you you want a custom throat or something like that, um, we can do that. We just need a couple dummies to set up so we know exactly where you want that bullet to set in the case, and we'll we'll chamber your your rifle that way. So. But it is, it is important depending on the bullet and the case and, and things like that. So. so why did you choose like this from this and this from this? When you were looking at you know four or five different prints, why did you choose certain things? Um, well, obviously I, I wanted the, the same freeboard as my BR um, because I was just going to set my, set my current BR back to BRA. So keeping the throat the same was, was nice that way uh, I wanted a no turn neck because I don't like turning necks it's horrible the fastest I could ever do was one a minute um, and that's on a wood lathe and all sorts of stuff I'm not doing that and we're in we're in a tactical or a practical environment you got a lot of wind and dirt blowing in your chamber there's no point you don't need all that so I gave mine a little extra room for a little little extra dirt and debris to get in there and, and really not cause any issues as far as cycling the gun uh, and I chose BRA because you have less work on your brass. Uh, you, you have good case capacity, and you're getting about the same velocity as you do with a dasher. 
So right now, this morning, I chronoed it before you got to the house. I was at uh, 26, I'm sorry, 2960. 2960 is my velocity. And your extreme spread was like 14. 14, yeah. Yeah. So, and I shot a little quarter inch group with it. So it was, it was nice. It shot good. So. Yeah, no, it looks great. I think it'll do really well today. Yeah. So that's what you get with the hours that you stay up <laughs> at night. Get you your know. quarter inch groups. Yeah, you know, uh, when you get all the kids and the wife and everybody asleep and you finally eat some supper and go downstairs and go to reloading and, you know, stay up till 1, 2 in the morning. So, How many rounds did you load last I night? I just loaded 100. I had a, I had 100 from last Sunday that I went and shot and got dope on the gun. And uh, um, I just took that same 100 and reloaded them again and brought them to the match because I think we only shoot about 75 rounds. Yeah, it's like 75, 85 rounds. Yeah. Like that. I usually so, tell people bring, you know, 100 rounds and you're good. Yeah. I'm I'm at I'm at 90 right now. I shot 5 to chronograph and 5 to 0. Just check I was all just snuggled check, up in check bed, check bed last zero. night. Yeah. Like 10, 17. <laughs> <laughs> so, here's my question for everybody listening is, who's your money on? The guy that went to bed at 10, 17 and had no worries last night he knew where his ammo was coming from uh and it shoots three-eighths moa out of his ax factory ammo right or i slept well me who stayed awake till i know the last time i looked at the clock it was 138 last night who's your money on who's your money on now i can shoot a quarter moa group the extreme spread of 14 mike can shoot a three-eighths group I'm not sure what his extreme spread is. We hadn't chronographed his gun in two years, I think. But I haven't even done a zero in a while, man. Right? Who's your money on, right? Uh, we both won the match. We've, we, and I, I, you've won it way more times than I have. Now, now, Adam has taught me everything that I know about precision rifle shooting and kind of let me, let me loose. And then I've refined a few things on my own, but Adam has been one of the biggest influences in my precision rifle career. So my money is honestly on Adam on this <laughs> one. <laughs> my money's on Adam. So my my mentality going in today, I know it's going to be rainy and shitty. So I I threw in extra rain gear. I got two rain coats and a pair of rain pants. So yeah, I'm not, I'm I threw not, in a, a big rubber jacket in the uh, in the stuff that's still all dirty from like three years ago. Right. So I, I'm not gonna let I'm not gonna let the conditions dictate how I do. Um, I'll work around them and, and take my time today. My my goal is I, I shot a match. I shot the Hoyer Hustle the other day. Uh, it was a couple weeks ago. I shot horrible. I I did not do well at you all. You looked a little humbled when you came in I, the next day. Yeah, and I and I'm sure I brought it all upon myself. One, I didn't have. Uh, what was your mindset going into that? That was I want to check this match out, see how it's run, see how everything goes. And Nick Hoyer running the Hoyer Hustle is badass. I love you, Nick. If you're yeah, listening to this, he's a solid guy. Yeah, him and Andy are are, are good buddies. And Andy, Andy Hawkins from Hawkins Precision, he makes yeah. really good stuff. We use a lot of his stuff. I um, only talked to three people, it seemed like, the whole time. And Nick Hoyer, Andy Hawkins, Rich Dias, you yeah. know, and Dan Hansen. I take that back. 
him and I shot together. Right? Rich has done a lot for this community as well. He's doing a lot of stuff with the with the Black Flag team, and yeah. um, they're they're doing some shoots out here in Colorado. And if you ever see one of those come up, go to it. I, I guarantee you guys will have a good time. Yeah, uh, they have a match today, actually. Do they? Yeah, the Jolly Jolly Roger. Jolly Roger. Yeah. I, I always want to say Jolly Rancher. <laughs> That's all right. My tongue gets tied sometimes when I say black flag, so it is what it yeah, is. Yeah, it comes out something. Anyways. Uh, so mindset going into that versus this. Right. It was it was totally messed up, and I and I knew it. And uh, I walked up to a stage. I, I hate to say this, but um, I walked up to a stage. I was BSing with, I guess I talked to Jose Gardner. He was back there, too. But um, we were bullshitting, you know, just going to town they're like hey adam you're up i'm like oh okay cool and i grab my 224 valkyrie slap the mag in it walk up and i'm like how far is that target <laughs> and and brett he goes well, i think it's about 300 yards it's like what's my dope for 300 yards i look down i have no dope i have i have nothing <laughs> brett's like time starts now i'm like okay <laughs> so like i just throw my gun how does on that field because you do that to me all the time how does that feel? It wasn't. It wasn't that cool. <laughs> so, I I just throw the gun down, take my time on that first shot. Okay, that's where it impacted. You know, hold over under wherever. You know, shot again, miss, change positions. I I was totally messed up. I didn't even know the stage. You're supposed to take two shots from each position. I took one shot, moved, moved back to that position, shot. I done that twice. You know, didn't know the range. It was, it was, I hit it once. I didn't zero a stage. And I went, anyways, you know, so it, it was just, it was totally messed up. And you shot two different guns that day. What'd you I, shoot? Well, I fire formed some 6BRA. Uh, at a match. <laughs> at the match, yeah. Um, and then I shot the 224 Valkyrie. Um, I think I was halfway up the pack, but. So you're basically, your mindset walking into it was like, I'm not going to win. Yeah. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna get some work done. Well, and I, yeah, I need to fire form some brass. <laughs> right. I want to see these guys, talk to them. I want to check out this match. Yeah, yeah, check it out, see how it is. And then, I've talked and then, to a lot of people in the last couple of weeks. You know, talking about match shooting and getting their rifles ready. And well, my rifle's not going to be ready for this match, but I want to shoot the match. And I always ask my number one question is, well, do you plan on winning that match? Right. And they're like, uh, well, no. I'm like, then go and have a good time. Right. Go learn the land. Go learn, you know, the course of fire. And if it changes, cool, whatever. But if you're just starting into this, just go do it. Yeah, don't yeah, don't yeah. make up an excuse. Just go out and do it. Right. Show up, man. I was totally unprepared. and. Um, but you still did well. But I, yeah, you still shoot. Have a good time. Meet the guys. Get the course of fire. And I guarantee you, you shoot the match one time. The second time you go out there, you'll be prepared. You you have an idea of what they're doing. They may change All the, the course of fire, are out. but you know what's going on. You're you're gonna do a lot better. Um, one of the NoCo guys, Josh King, was up there. He stomped my ass. <laughs> I mean, I was like, Damn, I like man. Josh. Yeah. He started with a hunting rifle. Yeah. But when yeah. he started shooting our match WSM. last year, yeah, yeah, he started shooting with a hunting rifle, and he's. Now, now he has a chassis gun. He's got six five Creed. Yeah, six five Creed, and he likes to play with a lot of Grendel stuff. We're about to hit a dirt road, so you guys may hear some more road noise. We'll talk. We'll try to talk a little bit louder. Yeah. Um, 
we're getting really close to where we want to be. And, of course, no cell signal because we've taken every single back road known in Colorado. I took the spruce, though. What? Right? What's going to... Dude, if something happens, what are we going to do? <laughs> I'm not walking anywhere. Who no, are we going to call? Just set in the pickup. Somebody will, somebody will come by the end of the day. So, um, mindset. So, get your mind right. You're get coming into right. coming into a match. Either know you're going to win or know you're not going to win. One of the two... But have fun. Fun first, points later. Learn that right. from Casey Schrader. Right. Uh, and my like for me today, um, I hadn't got a lot of time behind the BRA. I got a little bit, but not not a ton. Not enough to feel super confident in it. Um, like I did with my 243. Uh, I just knew it was going to hit. So uh, what I'm going to work on today are my basic mechanics so back to the fundamentals back to the fundamentals man and i i'm a huge mechanics guy all goes back to shooting trap being able to to pick up my shotgun and just walk out and and bang away and still maintain a good average yeah and you're no joke when it comes to trap like you're just a natural shooter is what is what i hate about you the most (laughs) i think i think uh i have that effect on a few people in the industry um but uh, Brian Whalen. <laughs> not gonna call any names. I'm not gonna call your name, Brian Whalen. Uh, he he calls me annoyingly, uh, inherently accurate. Well, you guys are always chasing each other. Brian does really well when he goes yeah, out. I, I'm always chasing Brian. Yeah. There's there, he's not chasing me. Well, he, I'm chasing Brian. Yeah. But. And Brian shoots like he he talks the talk and he walks the walk. Yeah. That's the deal with him. Yeah. So, basic fundamentals, mechanics. Smooth trigger pull, breathing, take your time, build your position. Build your position good the first time. If it's not good enough, change it. We have plenty of time at this match for you to learn what position is good, what is bad. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be tweaking and, and changing some positions, learning what, what I like to do a little bit more. Uh, I'm going to try to go to every single stage. I'm going to range every target just as if I were at a national level match. I'm going to write those distances down and I'm going to write out my dope, get it on my gun, just like I would anywhere else. Instead of, hey, I know the range is here and just kind of half-assing it, I'm going to do it just as I was going to do it as a national level match, work on my mechanics, check my dope, uh, make sure everything is squared away before I walk up to that stage, give myself a, a chance to succeed. I don't know if I'm going to win the match. I'd like to be in the top five. Yeah. That's how I feel too. I, I want to get back to, like you said, fundamentals. I'm going to slow myself down today. Yep. I'm really going to focus on my reticle. I'm going to focus on that side picture, side alignment, parallax, all that stuff. Because trigger's going to, well, you tuned up my trigger a little bit. Yeah. So I'm going to have to probably go through a couple stages yeah. with uh, getting used to that trigger again. But trigger's going to, my trigger finger has numerous repetitions, man. It's, it's built in muscle memory. It's not a problem. That'll run itself. I just need to make sure that I'm doing everything that I'm supposed to be doing on the rifle, making sure that the rear support is proper, making sure I'm loading on the bipod, making sure I'm breathing properly, and focusing on that sight picture, sight alignment is going to be what I'm going to focus on today. Two, two big things for me to watch, and, and guys, when you're, when you're shooting, try to realize what you do not do well, okay? So what do you struggle with, what things, and I, I, I constantly two things I struggle with with precision rifle keeping my gun level 
and letting go of the rear bag when I break the trigger. Why I do that, I have no idea. You would think by now I could I could train that out. I do it shooting trap. I come out of the gun early. Um, I do it with rifle. I've done it in bench rest. I'd let go of the rear bag right when I broke the trigger. Well, all your shots go high as soon as you let go of that rear bag. It just launches it, you know. Yeah, and then you don't know what you did because you may not know that you're doing it. Right. And then you're like, well, that went high. And then you're going to dial down, and then you're going to do it properly the second time. You're going to be low. Yeah. Trust your dope. Trust your dope. Have do not. Faith. Tr- you, do not, you do not trust yourself. Time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're the X factor in this game. Yeah, I, I trust my equipment 100%, and all of my scrutiny goes on to me. Because I spent the time setting at that work that loading bench, making sure that everything was correct. I made sure that all of my mechanical stuff, anything that I could physically do to make this better, I done that. So if I see an anomaly or something that goes wrong or goes bad or doesn't work the way I want it to, it's on me. Yeah, it's your fault. I look at myself first all the time. Absolutely. We're coming up on the range house now. We've made it out to the match. We're going to sit in the truck and talk still because we we still have equipment to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> we, did, we went through this whole thing and didn't I, even talk about it. I haven't had much mic time lately, so it's nice to just just talk with Mike. Just BS, On the mic with Mike. <laughs> we don't get a BS that often anymore, man. I never see you at work. I know. We, we work, you know, not even 100 yards away from each other. But um, we were talking last night. So we we actually were even on the phone together last night. And going over, okay, what did I forget is always the big question. What did I forget? What did I forget? And running down the checklist, you got the gun, you got the ammo, you got a, you know, some type of rear support. We got some uh, front support. What are we running today for front support? As far as uh, bipods? Uh, no, um, like off a of barricade or something. Oh, off, off the barricade? T- yeah, yeah barricade so I have... Trap. Uh, I have the new Comanche bag from Warhorse Development. Uh, it's the Saracen from bag. From Chaz up in from, Montana. Yes, yep. from Warhorse. Um, this is Chaz and his wife are listening to this. Did you know that? I didn't. Uh, it's the it Hi is guys. the Saracen scaled down Frank size. Oh, it's a fun size bag. Yeah, it was Frank's idea. He's like, hey. I want this smaller because I'm tiny and I just want a smaller bag. Turns out... And shit's heavier to me. Right, shit's heavier, you know? Three pounds is like six pounds for me. Especially with my shoulder. So, it's actually a really nice bag. It does just about whatever you want it to. You can um, use it as a with, rear bag, with too. Half, with half the weight. It doesn't have to be a front bag. Yeah. I like it. So, we got that. Um, I, and, of course, I have my game changer. Um... I, I don't go anywhere without that anymore. Um, ever since I, I cleaned a stage with me borrowing one from another guy, and I had no idea how I was going to shoot that stage before it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was sitting there like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And they're like, throw a game changer on was there. Was that Steve? Yeah, Steve Cohen. Yeah, he was, like, like, <laughs> he was like, yeah, you can borrow it if you carry it for the rest of the day. Deal. <laughs> I clipped that sucker on my bag. I carried it with me everywhere, and I used the hell out of that thing. It treated me well, too. So we got good bags, we got good guns, we got ammo. Um, it's going to be inclement weather today. So yeah. so um, we'll come back to the dope stuff, but inclement weather. Write in the rain paper and pencils. Yes. So make sure you have some write in the rain paper and some pencils. It's going to get, you know, if it gets, 
moist outside. I know people don't like that word. <laughs> if it gets moist, moist. outside, you're going to want something that's going to hold up to that moisture. So right in the rain has saved our asses more than a few times. So I don't carry anything other than right in the rain anymore. I got, I got a whole baggie plum full of different different types of paper in my in my pack. Do you? Yeah. Um, dope. So we got our kestrels. I got, a, I got a Kestrel drop. You're using a drop today, and why are you using a drop? I am using a drop because when was the last time you seen me open the wind impeller on my Kestrel? Never. Nevuary. Right. I, it's packed plumb full of dirt. I'm sure I can't even open it. Uh, so I, I just went to the drop, and then I'm trying the Geo Ballistics app today. Um, Have you seen that line up? Have you used it yet? I've used it a little bit, and it is very close. Um, with my AB, I hadn't had a chance to tune them both and compare. Um, well, you've struggled so with AB over the years, though. Yeah, I lie to it a lot to make it do what I want it to. Um, I found out for, well, I was I shot the Interall match last year, shot well, and then I shot the Swatch match really well, and I found out that I had never set my Kestrel up properly. <laughs> We got that that, but that, it lines up. It lines up. You you remember when we were at, at Sawatch, and I lay down there like, hey, you got 15 minutes to dope your gun. I'm like, okay, lay down. <clears throat> Mike went first. I lay down. I'm like, I'm going for 12:50. I shoot. I see an impact, but this ipsic that's hanging on a T-post hanger, moving. <laughs> it is perfectly still. And I'm like, Mike, what did I hit? And he goes, you hit the T-post. At the bottom, yeah. like it was just above the ground, so it had splash that went down and made it look like an impact, but that plate never moved. So, needless to say, my wind call was perfect yeah. to hit a T post at twelve hundred, twelve fifty, right? But the the plate never moved. So I I measured the distance, lied to the kestrel, it lined up, and uh, all was well in the world. I shot the rest of the match with it all all messed up. So, but it worked. Yeah. So. so we got dope. We're good there You're using geoballistics and a Kestrel drop. We'll have to see how that goes today going into the mindset thing, right? So mm-hmm. are we are we mentally prepared? Is our dope mentally prepared or our guns prepared? So um, inclement weather gear, gloves, hats. You want to be comfortable. You don't want to go out there. Like, you know it sucks, but you're going into it. It doesn't have to suck that bad. Be comfortable. Right. Be comfortable. Bring bring some stuff. You know it's going to be bad. That's fine. Like I think but, the comfort level adds to accuracy too. It does, and you know, just just be calm about it. You know, there's no point in working yourself up about it. It is what it is, and stay calm. Don't don't get riled up. I see I seen guys get so mad at the Hoyer hustle. Uh, they were missing. They start getting mad. Well, then you start shooting faster. And you start making those same mistakes faster. Yeah, hey, I might have been one of those guys, <laughs> right? right? Uh, so slow it down. You never, you never gain anything by speeding up and shooting faster. All you're doing is missing faster. So slow it down. Comprehend what you see and what you do. Be honest with yourself. Did I pull that shot? Did it go low right when I yanked the trigger? Yes, yes, it did. Right. So. Be honest with yourself. See what is happening downrange. Maybe there's something out there that you can't see that is taking place. Say if you're shooting uphill and the wind is pushing your bullet up and it hits a half mil high, well, your dope obviously probably isn't that far off. Believe what you saw. 
adjust for it. If you don't believe it completely, adjust for half of it. Yeah, stop making the same mistake over. There's a lot of times where even I'm on the spotter and I'm like, hey, do you want me to help you call wind? Yeah, I do. Okay, cool. So they shoot. I give them a correction. They shoot and it goes to the same spot. I give them the same correction. They shoot that goes to the same spot. And they're just, I don't know if they're getting frustrated. They're just not listening or they don't know what I'm saying. So there's a lot of stuff going on in your head. Listen to what's going on around you. You can hear the wind. You can see it. You can see what's going on. Look at your target, that mid-range wind, and then the wind at the shooter are the three major things that you need to pay attention to. Once you've kind of got past that, it's just shoot and have fun. Yep. So we're going to wrap this up. We need to get up into the range house and get our fees paid. Um, thank you guys for listening. This will be one episode. I'm sure Frank's at home right now with his wounded wing, and he's trying to get another episode going. He's doing some important work on the website. So make sure you check out um, Mile High Shooting. We got a website going up for the Everyday Sniper. It's going to be, it's not the Everyday Sniper on the website. It's just Everyday Sniper. Uh, he's messing with that and getting that going. It'll link out to Mile High Shooting. It'll link out to Sniper Side. Make sure you're on there checking out the forums. There's a lot of stuff going on. Then, um, also, it'll link out to the Mile High Training Detachment. If you need to get a hold of me, Mike at MileHighShooting.com or 303-255-9999. I do work there, so when you walk in the door, I'm probably one of the first people that you see. Give me a nod. Say what up. And uh, also, Adam with us today, and we'll have another episode this afternoon. We'll be recording one this afternoon on our way back to while it's fresh in our minds to give you a debrief of everything that we kind of talked about what worked for us what didn't and the mindset walking into it and if that helped and if we actually stuck to it that's the biggest thing is follow through if you say you're going to do it do it if you're on the gun follow through that's right just uh just pay attention believe what you see thanks guys you're listening yep. to the everyday sniper mike adam from mile high shooting and we'll see you later